What's happening, everybody? This is Locked On SEC. On today's show, we are going to talk with our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored Podcast. We'll talk some SEC headlines with him. We'll look ahead to the games this week in SEC Week 9. And I think we'll take a little peek ahead at Week 10 as well with some monster, monster games coming up. Locked On SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. Great to have you guys along. We'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked on College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Let's jump into it as we do this time every week. We welcome in our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast. Marler, how the hell are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a... Uh been a weird week but it's been good it's been i know you've been traveling nonstop, so um but yeah it's in that weird time because it's like when when like october november is about to happen and we get maxion back in like a week so it's like the best time of football but it's also rapidly approaching an end and we have all these bye weeks which sucks yeah we're gonna get to it in a little bit but uh, we're already facing next week is potentially the sec east uh, championship and the SEC West championship. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we could maybe if, if Ole Miss wins this week and, you know, Bama beats LSU, maybe the Ole Miss-Bama game is to decide the SEC West. I don't know. There's still a lot to be decided here. Yeah. Uh, Bama's got some tough games for a change. So, uh, you know, let's see what they could <laughs> don't do. Don't even start. Uh, <laughs> I, hold on. I just, I got to say this. This is, this is cracking me up because I, I know, like, I just keep thinking I'm just I'm just dumb enough and it and and like wear it on my sleeve so I know I know that like there's not a single person in this country that will ever feel bad for Bama and shouldn't unless it has something to do with obesity rates and education levels but like the football team no no one ever will um but it cracks me up this whole narrative of like they don't play anybody they have like one of the toughest schedules in the country right now they don't they don't they get all the calls they did get all the calls this weekend that was yeah stupid. <laughs> yeah that was all yeah, like you know, real, real quick, <laughs> let me just say this on this uh, while I'm on this like little mini soapbox. If you're if if you're in the SEC, I thought that whole thing with the Tennessee game where Bama had 17 penalties, Tennessee had four, and Tennessee came in as like the most penalized team in the in the conference. I thought that was agreed. Like there were some there were some calls in there that that were egregiously missed, and I know that no one's gonna feel bad for them. But you know what? You know what the correct thing to do is the following week. It's not to penalize Mississippi State and then pretend that Bama all of a sudden got all their problems fixed with with penalties and they had three penalties that's the least amount of penalties they've had in an SEC game in 4 years and and you're going to say that like oh they just got it they got it all worked out a week later i just thought that was so stupid and so bad from the SEC yeah, well, we'll That's see what happens. Call. If they get all the calls in Baton Rouge next week, uh, there will be a very strongly written letter by LSU fans they to the office in Birmingham. Uh, let's get into <laughs> a couple of headlines here, Marler, as we kind of get ready for SEC Week 9. I want to start here. Georgia safety Dan Jackson reportedly out for the season, sustained mm-hmm. a stress fracture. He's played in seven games this year, 16 tackles, and a reception, a forced fumble. It's a little bit of a depth loss for the Georgia defense, and they're going to you're up for Florida this weekend, but in a bigger picture, doesn't it feel like Florida or Georgia's really going through the the injury bug this year on defense? Um, yeah, a little bit. I think a lot of that's because Jalen Carter probably counts for three injuries on most teams, just because of how how much of an impact that kind of kid is. Um, you know, this is something they've really gone through for two years in a row. They did it on offense last year, but it was for the entire season. 
so it, it kind of like those those injuries didn't really rear their their ugly head as much because with the way the season set up, it's like you kind of you kind of got Lad McConkey, you got Brock Bowers, and these like freshmen that you didn't think would be a huge impact. You got them to become seasoned vets by the end of the year. Not seeing that as much this year. I, I don't think that like there's not a, a better place for this injury to have occurred in terms of like a unit on this team because you have Kirby Smart who rotates guys so well and does an incredible job at getting guys ready, um, probably better than any other coach in the country and has for the last several years on that defense. And also him being a DB, like, I mean, hell, Kirby might just, he might just, I'm trying to not say the F word, he might just freaking strap on a helmet and go out there and play himself. I think he can still do it. Yeah, and, and look, I, it's they're, they're at an interesting spot here with Florida that's, you know, uh, and we'll talk about the game in a little bit, but but this and then the Tennessee game coming up, you know, which team is which team is more focused on the game next week this week? Is it Georgia? Is it Tennessee? You know, Tennessee's got a tough one with Kentucky. Florida or Georgia playing Florida, you know, it's just going to be funny to see, like, which team is less focused this week because they're thinking ahead to next week. It'll be an interesting dynamic. Are you asking me that? Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of saying it out loud. But, okay, like, who who has a lackluster performance or who would you be more or less surprised by having a lackluster Mm -hmm. performance? Tennessee playing a close game with Kentucky or Georgia playing a close game with Florida? So I would say Tennessee... I'd be I'd be more surprised by Georgia having the lackluster performance just because, like it, it, the stuff that Tennessee is doing, it's it all kind of in, involves everyone being on the same page and being able to click. And that defense is not bad, but it's also they're going to give up. I mean, you saw it last year; like they're going to give up some points to Kentucky. It was like a forty-five to forty-two game a year ago. I yeah, mean, there, there's going to be moments they slide. I think just from the outside looking in, one thing you can always count on: it doesn't matter how good either team is or who's coming up next. The hatred that Georgia has for Florida is unmatched. It is it is unmatched maybe by any other rivalry, maybe other than the Egg Bowl. I mean, they hate Florida, and Kirby hates them especially. So I think that they'll be fine um, being able to refocus. I kind of feel like Tennessee doing the blackout jersey kind of makes me feel like they're they're searching for something to keep them motivated Uh and not overlooking this team. That was going to be one of my points later. I was going to ask if you were excited. Tennessee fans, getting dark mode, the black jerseys, orange numbers. Are you a fan? Yeah. I am with the black helmet. The, 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 that uniform is legit. The one they did with like the white helmet looked awful. I mean, that looked yeah. awful. But this is, <laughs> this is awesome. A little Halloween theme. I like that. Yeah, they did the Grays a couple weeks ago in the, the win at LSU. Uh, speaking of LSU, Brian Kelly has been named the Dodd Trophy Coach of the Week. Uh, following their big win over Ole Miss. Uh, what's so weird to me, Marlers, I, I went back to listen to some of our guests we had on S- at SEC Media Days and some of the podcasts coming into the season. And, yeah. I mean, there was literal conversation about LSU going 6-6 six and six this year. And I kept going. I had him last I in kept, the division. I kept going, like, wait, Brian Kelly's a good coach. Like, are we missing yeah. something? Like, I know the roster's in flux, but he's still a damn good coach. Uh, thoughts on Brian Kelly and where, he's, where he is right now? Doing a great job. Doing a great job. And listen, I, I feel so dumb now because great picture, as always. Look how skinny he looks in that picture. Um, he also is pointing at you going, YouTube, this dumbass had his last. This, <laughs> that's the idiot that asked me that question about my accent. Um, he does also kind of look like a Halloween yard uh, decoration, but just the, like like a like a bad scream drawing. Um, no, I, I so I had them last. I remember, I remember like getting to the bottom of my division picks and I was like, LSU last. That doesn't. That doesn't seem right. Like, but I, I, for whatever reason, decided to 
be high on Auburn, like to finish fourth or something stupid, um, which I, I to this day is like one of the biggest regrets I've ever had. Uh, no, I, I, Brian Kelly is a great coach. I think I don't think a lot of people understood that because, excuse me, coming into the season, everyone, everyone, like the whole thing about Brian Kelly and like where people thought about him was like, oh, he can't he can't win the big one. Look who he did at Notre Dame and how he got like boat race and like the national championship. That like Brian Kelly's entire resume in terms of, like of how SEC fans held him like in like regard was was just the 2012 national championship. Right. <laughs> and then what happened in the two, and for real, and the, think about how stupid that is. Yeah. Like, think about how dumb. Well, it's the that, only like, time a lot of SEC, like SEC fans were tuning into Notre Dame versus Navy. Like they weren't tuning into regular no. season games. So like th- that at was Yankee the only Stadium. thing a lot of SEC fans had to go on, you know, as opinions right. on him. And, and he's, I mean, I think coming into this year, he had, he has like the most career wins like out of any, any head coach. And he's a phenomenal head coach. And and the thing, the biggest thing he's done at LSU is he's put, he's instilled stuff with this program that has not been there in a long time. Cause like the thing with coach O was like this beat my chest, like bravado, like macho, you know, we're going to go out there and kick your ass. Like, and this is more like, boy, Mala, right where you way. at Mala? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do stuff the right way. We're gonna finish games strong. We're gonna like you know, and, and you've seen it in the fourth quarter. You've seen it in the second half. You saw it last week against Ole Miss. Brian Kelly's been awesome, man. He's been he's been awesome. And you know, if you would have asked me before the season, I would have told you like I don't know how he wins a championship with Nick Saban and that. But I don't. After just the stuff I've seen lately with Saban, I don't know how much longer he's got. LSU six and two. They got UAB, so I think they'll win that one. That's seven wins. So. Mm-hmm. Alabama at Arkansas at A and M. What do they do in that mix? I mean, it could really it could go from you know you lose all three seven and five. Okay, pretty good start. That's not going to win one of those eight and four. You win two of those. You know, just saying like, I, what's going to stink about this for the for LSU fans before we move on? Well, no, you're going to look back on that Florida State game and go, if we just made the damn extra point, we win in yeah. overtime, and it's a really special season. You're talking about you know the loss of Tennessee and. Whatever else, but uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens with them. A couple other headlines: Texas A&M. Things are not going well. Uh, this from Billy, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Billy Lucci uh, from Texas says, uh, "Oh God, that A&M has reportedly suspended three freshman football players as a result from a locker room incident uh, after the loss to South Carolina last week." Denver Harris, PJ Williams, and Chris Marshall, all part of that illustrious number one class, all suspended. Um, how bad? Are you say why? Well, we'll let, we'll get on that. But how bad are things in College Station, in your opinion? Well, if you're smoking weed in the locker room after a loss in South Carolina, I mean, then, then things are pretty bad. But also, like, who has your own fault? Who hasn't? Right? I mean, come on. Uh, almost every other team, oh, besides Michigan, 2007 for the App State game. It's a- almost every other, and my high school team. Like that's every other team has not done that. Um. It's Jimbo's fault, though. This all goes back to Jimbo because you recruit. I'm not talking about just from the coaching standpoint. You recruit a kid named Denver Harris. You think he's not going to bring drugs into your team? I mean, that's just that's just as simple as you can get. Um, I, I think that, like, first off, I love the fact that you didn't show his Cracker Barrel sweatshirt that he was wearing from a week ago because that was incredible. <laughs> um, no, I th- things are really bad. I like I joked about this earlier this week about like you know maybe the Biden administration needs to look into doing some sort of, of like, uh, what do you call it? Like Jimbo Fisher contract, um, like cancellation, like they did with the student loan debt, because this is like, like they, they, you know, what, what like blows my mind is there was no reason to, to re up his contract. 
No. He already had seventy-five million guaranteed, and they were like, "You know what? Let's do this. Sorry, screw it. Like, let's <laughs> do this. Like, we're gonna we're gonna like double down." And and so they it's it's been like this weird marriage where each each side has continued to almost like make equal bad decisions as the other one. But Jimbo now, man, it's I mean things are really bad. They, like, because I don't like what do you do next? You have to win. You have to win eleven games next year at a minimum and beat someone of significance. You, you got to go like. You have to do something he hasn't done before, like, you know, all in the same season. Oh, my God, this picture. Yeah, for those not watching the video, we found the picture of his sweatshirt from a week ago, and it literally looks like Yo, something. We were ahead of them. <laughs> how, did they see, how did they see us? They ain't seen us before, before them. It looks like something Man. your grandpa would wear at the Cracker Barrel. That's absolutely what that how, looks like. How quickly do you think, like, like, how quickly do you think Jimbo would accuse that little golf tee game at Cracker Barrel of being rigged after he loses it to like his like you know 13 year old grandson yeah what was that game called the worst I just I, remember I never figured out how to win it it was always like if you leave six or more then you're an ignoramus and I asked my mom like what does that mean and then it was years later that I was like ignoramus like you're teaching little kids <laughs> what that word is Weird. What the hell is chitlins? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one on our uh, SEC or our, our headlines. The uh, ESPN writers reveal their Heisman favorites at this point. Oh, Hendon God. Hooker is number one on their list. CJ Stroud from Ohio State, number two. Bryce Young still coming in strong at number three. Caleb, wow. William, Caleb Williams at USC, number four. And Blake Corum, the Michigan running back, number five. So two SEC guys there. Um, you know, still kind of looking like we could be poised for a rematch in the SEC title game between uh, Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. But uh, of all the guys in the SEC, are those kind of the two you would put right there if you were making a top five? Yeah, I think I think those two are are the most deserving. I think it's hard to say. I mean, you watch this Bama team. I don't think I said it last year, and I, I'll say it again. I don't. I think this is an eight and four team without Bryce. I think that's I think that's how bad they are. Without that kid at quarterback, he's just like a wizard back there. But Hinton Hooker absolutely deserves to be number one. Very surprised that Max Duggan didn't crack the top five. That's almost impossible to do. I, I don't I don't understand how that's possible. Um, but yeah, I think uh sorry, these AirPods are running out of battery, so I'm I'm, I'm fidgeting over here. Um no, I I think that Hooker deserves to be number one. I'm I'm not surprised that CJ Stroud, because he's put up a lot of like good numbers as well. But um, but yeah, I think like it's it's I always hate this because I, I feel like Hinden Hooker deserves to win the Heisman today and has all season and, and his performance. And, and, you know, he had a Heisman moment against Alabama. He, he could argue he's had other Heisman moments this season just because of how dominant he's been with that offense. I mean, where's that offense without him? Like, yeah. and he's done it for two straight years and gone and gone on. He was largely unnoticed until like the, the summer. And, but I think the way the Heisman is, and it, it kind of frustrates me. It's like, it's a waste of time to even talk about right now because it's a what have you done for me lately thing. If Hinton Hooker doesn't make the SEC championship, he won't win. Yeah, if like he, he, so if he, he doesn't beat, beat Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, if he doesn't beat right. Georgia in two weeks, unfortunately, he's going to be out. And that sucks. Like, that's stupid yeah. to put that kind of pressure on him, but that's what it is. I mean, Joe Burrow was having a nice year in 2019, but when he went to Tuscaloosa, it was like, beat Bama. If you don't beat Bama, you're yeah. winning the Heisman. And he did. And Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette had the best odds out of any any player in the last like twenty something years, and then goes to Bama and has like a tough game against like the best you know the best defense in the country, the best front seven, and then and then who ends up winning it? The guy who is getting like forty five carries a game. You know, it just it's 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 kind of sucks, but like whatever. You know, I like to beat Bama and beat Georgia in the same season is a very difficult thing to do. I'm not saying he can't do it because he absolutely can, but it that sucks if that's like the benchmark. And meanwhile, CJ Stroud's up here just putting up video game numbers against 
Iowa, and we're pretending that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mac Jones beats Vanderbilt with nobody in the stands, and he wins it. Shut up. Hold it right there. We're going to get into previewing <laughs> the games this week here on Locked on SEC. But first, want to remind you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for a small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You just go to LinkedIn Jobs. You add your uh, purple hiring frame to the LinkedIn profile. That'll spread the word that you're hiring. They offer simple tools like screening questions, make it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality candidates versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, they help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Continuing on with our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast. And Marler, already week nine here in the SEC, and we got some uh, interesting games to get into this weekend. So figured we'd jump into discussing a few of them. And look, I think there's no, there's really no duds in, in this week. I mean, maybe Mizzou, South Carolina. So maybe we'll start with that one. But 3 o'clock Central, 4 Eastern on the SEC Network. It'll be 3-4 and four Mizzou. They just picked up their first win in the conference against Vandy a week ago, going to South Carolina, riding high, man. Sandstorm was rocking. They take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown against AM. Needed to – got a little hairy there in the end. Didn't get the onside kick and made it a little closer than it needed to be. But South Carolina, 5-2 and two and rolling. If they win this one, Shane Beamer's raising that bar. Yeah, and that's not something I thought was going to happen, man. I I think looking at what he's been able to do this early, I I thought he had screwed himself from getting six wins a year ago and and getting to a bowl game because of where you're setting the the bar so high. But good for him, man. Like that's, you know, it's like I've said, it's the Arkansas, the East. No, but there's not anybody that's pulling against South Carolina. Um, You know, you have this little big league situation where this 12 year old is running a a, a football program in the SEC and and he's doing a. (laughs) Hell of a job with it, so I think I, I will say this. I'm not. This is not. I'm not crapping on South Carolina at all because I I, I absolutely love this. My yeah, I've said it a thousand times. My family lives in Columbia. Um, the, you know, Williams Bryce is a special special place, especially on the on Fair Week, State Fair Week. Did you see how much better the fair looked this year? It looked. I thought I was looking at London for a second, which make <laughs> just shows on. you how unclassy I am. Um, but but like watching that uh, kind of unfold was that the worst kickoff return for a touchdown you've ever seen? It was. It was awkward. It was effective. It was awkward, right? it, was, it was awkward is the best way to describe it, but uh, not as awkward as A&M's offensive line. So, God. you know, that was that was a problem. But, look, Luther Burden, we'll just say for Mizzou, they, found, they got him involved a little bit more. It feels like week by week they get him a little bit more involved. He was big in their win over Vandy. Um, mm-hmm. I just think South Carolina, the way they run the football with Marshawn Lloyd and yeah. the defense is playing pretty good. I think I think South Carolina wins. They're favored by four. You think Gamecocks cover? Hammer that. Yeah, I think that's I think they I think they definitely do. The Luther Bird thing is so weird. It's just so weird. Um that they don't give him the ball on every play because they don't have an answer for anything on offense. But I, I will say this, and this is something that I was guilty of, and I think a lot of people were too. Um, this Missouri defense is one of the best defenses of the SEC. They they've been really good all season long, and people have not really paid attention to it and kind of just assume when they played Georgia, it was all Georgia's struggles and and you know, like you know, you kind of remove yourself from that like a couple weeks later and sure the offense sucks. I mean <laughs> like what you did against 
against Vanderbilt, a three-point win against Vanderbilt is not that good. But on the road, yeah, South Carolina will cover that. But this is a big test for South Carolina in terms of where they are from a maturity standpoint, too. Speaking of offenses that suck, we go to Auburn, Alabama, where uh, they will be hosting Arkansas. Now, the Razorbacks got their groove back a little bit. They had K.J. Jefferson. They got the big win at BYU, putting up like 50-plus points. Uh, to me, for Arkansas to kind of, you know, they, they've stumbled here, but they still believe in Sam Pittman. This is one, like, they can still finish the season strong. They still play LSU. They still got some tough games. Like, But Arkansas can really, like, this could be the the thing that gets them right. You got to go win this one at Auburn, and if you're Auburn, man, this season's gone sideways. This would be a nice feather in the cap of Brian Harson if he could pull off a win. But where are you with Arkansas at Auburn? 11 a.m. Central on SEC Network. Razorbacks a three and a half point road favorite. So I think there's a lot of lines out here this week that Vegas is just begging you to take. Um, we'll get into one of them later. That I think is an absolute trap. Um, this is not one of them. Take Arkansas. Take them big. I, I think that Sam Pittman. He kind of gets what Brian Harson doesn't, and that is, yeah, you, Sam, yeah, you. Um, I think he kind of gets what Arkansas or what Auburn doesn't, and that is finishing games and, and just the way the way you win, how important that is. And, and, and like Auburn has been so bad in the second half. Now, the one thing is, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I mean, Auburn has Auburn has dominated this series. They've won like five or six in a row in this series. Um, even last year, they had a double digit win against Arkansas, and so they're at home. You're coming off a bye. Um, I like Arkansas to cover in this game. I think KJ Jefferson, it, it, you know, it, I think that they are going to be too much for, for Auburn, especially against that a defense that, like, Auburn hasn't completely rolled over or died yet. Um, but I don't think that the strength of, of Auburn's offense, if there is one, versus the, the weakness of Arkansas's defense, I don't think they're going to be able to exploit that because it's the pass defense, and Auburn isn't a great passing team. One other one I want to squeeze in here because I want to save the two night games for later. The uh, afternoon game, 3.30 Eastern on CBS. It is Florida. It is Georgia. It is the cocktail party in Jacksonville. And Georgia, 22.5-point favorites. Um, line is big. Look, we've seen some life from Florida's offense, certainly in the Tennessee game against LSU. They had some moments of some big explosive plays. Defense was really bad against LSU. Uh, but Georgia's offense has been kind of up and down. They looked great at times. They looked okay at times. Where are we with the old cocktail party down in Jacksonville? Man, Kirby hates these people. He hates these people. I'm going. I'm drunk. I'm, I'm oh, drunk already going? just wow. talking about this game. Yeah, it's my first time ever going as, as a lifelong resident of the state of Georgia, which seems like a, a little bit of a crime. But, um, no, it should be it should be fun. I think um, you saw it last year where Georgia is the dominant team, but still the game is close for whatever reason early on. I don't really expect to see that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Florida tries to do offensively. Um, I think I think we're going to see kind of what has kind of happened a lot in these Kirby Smart games, which is kind of a slow start, like kind of because like Kirby knows there's gonna be 60 minutes and he also knows that Florida can't hang with them for 60 minutes. They probably can't hang with them for 30 minutes. Like you saw last year. Um, I expect Georgia to impose their will and play. I, like I expect them to play very vanilla and, and just take Florida's will very early on. I think they're going to run the football down their throat. I think they're going to do very, you won't see anything that's, that's going to be, you want put on tape because you have Tennessee the following week. And I think that it'll be a, just a, I don't know if they'll cover. It'll be a, very methodical, imposing win. I like it. Um, yeah, I, it's a lot of points, I and I'm wondering if maybe Florida could pull off a 
you know, a late score for a backdoor cover. That's what I, would concern me. But, look, I think Florida can hang for a while. I think that, I think the, the offense, if they can score some points, I think they could, they could keep it close for a bit. Sure. <laughs> hey, maybe I just watched that Kent State game uh, on replay one too many times. It's, why would you? <laughs> you know what's going to be funny is I can't wait for the see what the line is. And it's probably already out for next week. But – People that think that that whole Tennessee-Georgia game, just a brief look ahead. If you Anybody that thinks that Tennessee-Georgia game is going to be this, like, Tennessee's offense versus Georgia's defense, and it will be that to an extent, the people that are that are discounting Todd Munkin and his incredible creativity on offense, I, I feel bad for you because you what you're going to see in two weeks in Athens is going to be so damn fun to watch on offense on both sides. On both sides, Georgia hasn't had to show any of that since the Oregon game, and 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 they will pull that script back out. I think for the Tennessee game. Yeah, and they finally got uh, Eric Gilbert involved. Uh, what was the last yeah. game they played? So another wrinkle to the offense. All right, we're going to talk more about the SEC games of Week Nine here with Chris Marler in just a second. But want to remind you about our friends over at Sweat Block. We told you about how they're saving sweaters like us around the country. A lot of us have been there, embarrassing sweat. Uh, at our party, at a party, uh, wearing a dress shirt, wearing a polo, whatever it is, at a football game, at a tailgate, and you got the sweat stains, you are pitting, my friend. And sweat block can be the one that can help you. They give you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing underarm sweat. The sweat block wipes, they were featured and tester, tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters. They showed it worked. If you or somebody you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, you need to go try out sweat block. You can save 20%. With our promo code locked on when you go to their website, sweatblock.com. They're also available on Amazon. Again, if you're anybody out there, if you or someone you know has suffered from excessive sweating, you need to go try out Sweatblock. They got the wipes, they got the underarm uh, deodorant, they got everything up there at their website. You can try again. Go use our promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off at sweatblock.com and check them out on Amazon. It is Sweatblock. One more segment with our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast. And Marlers, we look uh, ahead to the rest of the games here in SEC Week 9. A couple of tough tests into evening 6.30 Central on the SEC Network. We finally head back to College Station where it feels like A&M hasn't been in about two months. But they will host number 15 Ole Miss. Ole Miss finally getting humbled playing in a tough environment in Baton Rouge. They had a great first half. They had a terrible second half where they got shut out. But still a really good team, led by Quinshawn Judkins, who's one of the best running backs in the SEC. Zach Evans was out last week. Sounds like he could be back. The Aggies are a total mess. Ole Miss, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Yeah, so this has kind of become the M.O. for for Ole Miss under Kiffin this year. And that that is these really great starts. And I, I thought it was just a byproduct of – oh, you know, maybe they're overlooking Tulsa in the second half because you have Kentucky next week. And then you see they get up to this great start against Kentucky, and, you know, they did everything they could to lose that game in the second half and, and didn't score a lot of points in. This has become who they are. This is the identity of his offense is, is, you know, it's like a let's get out to a great start, and then, oh, look, squirrel. And then just all of a sudden all of your attention is gone. And, and like, I mean, they've been bad in the second half of games this year, just flat out. And, and, they, and none as bad as they were a week ago, right? You take a, you take a lead in Death Valley – you get boat raced by by uh, LSU, and you know I, I think I think that said a lot about who LSU was. I think it said a lot about Death Valley in general. Uh, 
um, because it's, you know, people going in there being a, a favorite is, is something that I think they, they took personally and, um, and you saw it, uh, you know, like play out that way. But I think that also looking at them going to college station, Vegas knows something. There's zero reason why they would only be favored by two and a half points against a really, really bad Texas A&M team, especially a Texas A&M team that's probably going to be starting a, a freshman quarterback with Connor Wigman at this point moving forward because of how bad Haynes King has been. Well, but let's be fair. Like, if we're just looking at its scores, they lost by three to App State. They lost by four to Bama. They had the goal line play. They made it close to South Carolina. I know they needed the onside kick to do so. Mississippi State was really the only one that wasn't close. So of their four losses, three of them by one score or less. Who was the first one you brought up? Well, Appalachian State. Okay. And you and you brought up the Bama one when Bama had their backup quarterback in who had three turnovers? Yeah, and AM had a, a first and goal at the one yard line and threw a ball out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's what they did. They if they run the football, maybe they win that game. So whatever. You know this is the first game they've had at home since I think the Miami game? That's what I brought up. Yeah, they've been like on they've been road warriors for like the last month. Well, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I wouldn't call them road warriors for sure. Um, I think Ole Miss wins, but I think if, if like I probably wouldn't touch this game betting wise because the two and a half, you're just begging people to bet on Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, and and how does it, how does Ole Miss look getting up off the mat? It's, and here's the other thing: how does Ole Miss look getting up off the mat after just a demoralizing loss to to uh, what do you call it to Ole Miss? I'm sorry to LSU. How do they? Look, getting off the map off that and then having Bama next week. I, I will say, and I haven't checked in these numbers in a while, so I'm going to be speaking out of ignorance here, which is not anything new. I'm sure some of your <laughs> listeners will understand that. But, like, I do think that the, the Texas A&M run defense has been the weakness of this of this team a lot in a lot of ways, like, well, at least on the defense. So that feeds into the strength for Ole Miss. But, you know, I, like, I would if I'm betting on this, I'm taking Ole Miss, whatever their first half line is, hammering that. Um, because this is a very slow starting Texas A&M team. Yeah, if Zach Evans is back with Judkins, there's no reason why Jackson Dart needs to throw a pass. Just run, 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 crazy? run. crazy? In a Kiffin offense? Yeah, win the game. Uh, the, the big night game, and we, we've kind of hit on it a little bit, but it is number 19 Kentucky at number 3 Tennessee, 6 o'clock uh, Central, 7 Eastern on ESPN from Neyland Stadium. By the way, is Tennessee playing nothing but home games? Good Lord. Uh, yeah, the the Vols favored by twelve and a half. Uh, I know we were you were a seller on Kentucky for much of the season. They've had some nice wins as of late. I, I wonder if they give Will Levis time and Chris Rodriguez runs the ball well like he has been. I think Kentucky's going to be in this game. I think they're going to be in this game regardless because this is a very this is like. This is arguably Kentucky's biggest game. They, they, you can talk all you want about Louisville and all that kind of stuff, but especially when Louisville's down and you know that that's probably going to be a win for you, this is a huge game. This is a hated rivalry. At least that's what I gather on Twitter. Uh, I mean, these teams like do not like each other. Um, and it's very much a, you know, like, like somebody trying to, like you just putting your hand out on your little brother and then just swinging wildly trying to hit you. It has that, that feel, like that feeling um, from a big brother, little brother standpoint in Tennessee and Kentucky. Again, I, and I'm try- I should have looked it up beforehand. Wait, who's the big um, brother? Who's the little brother? Tennessee's the big brother. Okay. All time. You know what the, uh, you you know. Know what the score was last time they, they went to Knoxville, right? Didn't they beat their ass? like 34 to 7. Jared Garantano threw like two <laughs> yeah, picks. Right. <laughs> that's what Garantano threw like eight interceptions. <laughs> 
Yeah, ugly. but that's also the first time they had beat him in Knoxville since like 1985. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, like we were still going to the moon and, and stuff. Like at that point, like where and it was like a big deal. Like, like the whole country was like, "We're going to the moon." That's like that's how far it was away. Um, anyway, <laughs> I have to get my digs in at NASA. So you know that, brother. Um, no, so I think I think that, what is what the hell is going on? So so um, again, I wish I would have looked this up beforehand, but that would have been professional, and um, and that's not who I am. But I think that. That whatever the first half line is, whatever the first half line is, hammer Tennessee. Because Tennessee is the best first half scoring offense in the country. Probably even better than Ohio State at this point. You saw it last week. They put up 52 in the first half. I know they're playing Tennessee Martin, but they have been great in the first half of games. Kentucky's been the exact opposite. That Mississippi State game is the first time that, like, like the, what they did against Mississippi State, the only thing that was good about that was that they just limited Mississippi State from scoring. They still only put up three points in the first half of that game. It is one of the worst first-half scoring offenses in the country. I believe it is the worst first-half scoring offense in all of FBS, uh, or I'm sorry, in Power 5 against other Power 5 programs. Um, take Tennessee early. I, and I think, listen, Tennessee's this is a special Tennessee team. It really is. And, and I don't think they're going to be phased by Kentucky. I think that they, they know what's at stake, and I think that they have a guy at quarterback who he does, he does the opposite of what Will Levis does, and that is – Will Levis will be a higher draft pick, and he he is better physically. He's more physically talented than Hinton Hooker, but Hinton Hooker doesn't turn the ball over. He just doesn't, and Will Levis does that at will, and so does so does Chris Rodriguez, and I think that'll be the difference in the game. I think you kind of hit on something, though. Kentucky put up – I probably a, did. I'm pretty they, smart. They put up a bulk of their points in the second half against Mississippi State. They did the same thing against mm-hmm. Ole Miss. Really should have had a go-ahead score against Ole Miss. Second half against Florida. So – Maybe it is Kentucky's a second-half team, and so maybe if, if Tennessee jumps up to an early lead, are they trying to protect it? We already saw it in the Florida game where they got, hey, we're, we got a big lead, we're good. Oh, wait, right. Florida's still scoring. Celebration's begun. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I To me, it's 12.5 is a lot of points. I could see Tennessee still winning by 10 and, and Kentucky covering, mm-hmm. but um, – We'll see. I'll, I'll make an official pick on that one Friday. Real quick, before we let you go, Marler. Just bet give, the first half. That's the first quarter. Give me an early thought on LSU-Alabama next week, which, as of now, appears to be the game for SEC West supremacy. Which which it should be, right? That's the, That game, that is... It's so weird watching this be a night game on ESPN um, and not CBS. And, and for a decade, this is... I always say this. There's, there's a rap lyric... Uh, from now i can't even think of the song because it's been a minute since i've had to quote it um frick what is the name i shouldn't said frick that's gonna take away from all my street cred uh but the line is he says call me what you want but but don't call call me for front and he's like this is to to like a man every single person on these rosters like this is big boy football and and the the road to the sec west and and road to atlanta goes through either baton rouge or tuscaloosa it seems like every year and and I love this game because it's it, like I hate it. I hated it when it was like, I mean, you've been there. This is like a throw up game. You're like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. It's the fourth quarter. It's it's thirteen to ten. You're just playing like a Big Ten game. It's just miserable for four quarters. But it's a great great rivalry. Um, I w- I had I had the opportunity to go, man, and and I I turned it down because I'm going to be in Athens instead for the uh. Tennessee Georgia game covering that. Um, and I'm a little bit disappointed because I wanted to go, you know, talk shit to you in person. Uh, but I will tell you this. As worried as I am about Jaden Daniels and as worried as I am about Bama and their mental makeup 
and Nick Saban and all that kind of stuff. You know the one thing I'm not worried about, Gordy? Uh, winning in Baton Rouge because Alabama does it a lot. Yeah. Do you know the lot? You know how many losses Bama has has had in Baton Rouge since 1957? It's only a few. Five. Two of those came at the hands of Nick Saban. Well, yeah, but you're talking about days when we were going to the moon still. Um, <laughs> we weren't even going. We, to, we were pretending to go to the moon. We call that, that wasn't a, even the real moon. We call that a callback. Um, the, yeah, but but look at the games in in Baton Rouge for the last ten years plus. They're all clo- almost all of them are close. There's a there's been yeah. a one or two you know crooked crooked scores, but they're all you know majority are decided by one score or less. So mm-hmm. again, like this is one I think and when the early line came out, I saw Bama Brown what a two touchdown favorite. Absolutely. I'm going. This take is LSU. this is going to come down. Yeah, just because. Yeah, Bama on the road. Yeah, I'll take hammer LSU. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's gonna be fun. We'll 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 spend next week. Uh, we'll spend a lot of time next week getting into it and previewing it. But but how cool is it that really next week could decide the SEC East rep and the SEC West rep? And it's just funny because we said before the season it was overwhelmingly Alabama, Georgia, and here we are with a, a month plus to go in the season, and we're literally talking about it could be LSU, it could be Tennessee. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It, it it honestly is, and the parody in this has been so much more fun this year, and. And, and I think and, and people are still sleeping on LSU. People are still sleeping on LSU. And I think if they beat Bama, and they can, this this team is built to beat beat Alabama, especially the way Alabama's played. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think I think what you've seen out of Brian Kelly in, in year one, it's just such a testament to who this program is. Because you know, now you, now you look at the Tennessee game and you're like, okay, well that's Tennessee because Tennessee is one of the best teams in offense in the country. They put it on us on us early, but with 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 LSU now, you're like, oh man. They like they they're down fourteen early on seventeen to three and, and and they just come back. I think it says a lot about the program and it, and it makes me happy. Even though like you know as somebody that's been a lifelong Bama fan, I love Baton Rouge. I love the people of Baton Rouge. I love LSU. It should be a lot of fun. It should be a great game. And, and one important Down note: by hundred, but still quarterbacks who give, who've given Saban defenses fits in the past are dual threat quarterbacks. The quarterbacks yeah. who can run and their also, legs. Oh, good. No, no, you go ahead. Dude. I, thought, I couldn't hear you. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, like Johnny Manziel, who was the dude at Utah? I'm just trying to think. Of, uh, even Bo Wallace ran a little bit. I mean, like, you just have to mm-hmm. you have to be able to show your legs are a threat, and it's mm-hmm. a lot of these guys come out of position. And, you know, do you put a linebacker and say, go follow him wherever he goes? It's just it's going to be a challenge. Tennessee was up to the challenge. They they, they uh, and, and keep in mind, some things went in Tennessee's favor for that game to go so crooked. If LSU comes out and fumbles the opening kickoff, Bama by 100. But, um, right. you know, I'm just saying, like, Jaden Daniels has the skills that could give Saban's defense some problems. Yeah, gone are the days of the whole thing about, you know, it takes a Heisman Trophy winner or some crazy game from Steven Garcia to beat, to beat Bama. Now, I mean, now it's like it's a Heisman Trophy winner, a crazy game, or some white kid that went to three JUCOs and just to get his math credits up before we going back to Athens. So there you go. Hey, Hudson Card nearly pulled it off. So yeah, yeah. Well, four star quarterback, like top six in the country coming out of high school. Yes, yeah, it was not Quinn Ewers. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, but Tennessee, I'm not te- doing this. Texas it, wins that game, right, and I don't want to argue it. Made us remind me of Colt McCoy. If Colt don't get hurt, Texas wins that title game. He is Chris Marler. College Football Uncensored Podcast. Remind uh, listeners where they can find find you. Yeah, so College Football Uncensored Podcast. Uh, we have new shows coming out every Sunday and 
um, and Wednesday. And so we should be the same this week, obviously. And then uh, also on uh, Twitter at Vern Funquist. Uh, and that's about it. Oh, I just got that. He is Chris Marler. Thanks so much for the time, man. Always appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, man. I'll see you then. All right, man. That's Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored Podcast. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, go check out the... And I'm choked up. Go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available in the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you guys tomorrow.